Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the... It's the... Or the... I don't know. It's... The Hello Steve Podcast. We're all on lockdown. We got nowhere we can go. I need to think of a funny line for the end of this verse that I just made up now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been so long, so long since I did an intro to the podcast because the way that it's been recently is that some of them have just been on my own and some of the podcasts have been me and the missus live from the loo doing a podcast as well. And so just don't bother to do an intro. But today, because it's such a special episode coming up, it's I have no choice but to do an introduction. But to do an introduction, it must be done. One must put on a proper show, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. We'd like to thank our sponsors for today's episode, and that is Japanese Milk Bread Buns. Thank you so much for coming along and making this show happen this week, Japanese Milk Bread Buns. If you have been on my Instagram in the past week, you know that it's been a week that has been all about the Japanese milk bread buns i'm not going to go into it too much here on the introduction to the show but man what a week we had i'll chat about that more on the episode but i'm delighted to have talked to you just to have connected with so many of you out there just because of bread just because of bread the last time we kind of connected on something like that was about egg salad sandwiches can you feel a tv show coming on ladies and gentlemen huh what an idea. What a pitch to make to some production company to say, come on, come on, let's do this. A comedian makes food or finds out how to do food or finds out how to bake. I don't know. Not a bake-off. Incidentally, because I had been baking as much as I had, I ended up watching a lot of the bake-off shows on Channel 4 On Demand. Shout out to the fine people at Channel 4 who let people in Ireland watch it for free online as well. I've been watching the Great British Bake Off for the the professionals, which, you know, I have no interest in watching the amateurs. I want to see what the professionals are up to. Whoa. What a show! So that's what my my week has been full of. And um, what else do we... I mean, I think everybody's watched that. Jeez, I can't even remember what it's called now, but the Tiger, the Tiger thing on Netflix with Joe Exotic. <laughs> the first gay man to run for president in the United States of America. If you haven't watched that... 
then uh, you should. I mean, it's got the same narrative as every other fucking Netflix documentary, to be honest with you. It's hard to keep up with all the characters in this one, though, because they're all bloody crackheads. Like, literally every one of them. They're all nutters. And it's not really brought to any kind of interesting... It's nowhere near as good as Making a Murderer. I don't know if you guys saw Making a Murderer when it came out. I'll tell you what Netflix is doing with all these documentaries that they're doing of all these crazy incidents and crazy people that happen exclusively all the time in the United States of America that has Donald Trump as the president. It's just not painting a big pic- a good picture for you guys over there, you know what I mean? It's literally Ted Bundy, Joe Exotic, Making a Murderer... The O.J. Simpson stuff. I mean, what? it's like the list is endless. The only one that they have this side of the water is the Madeleine McCann one. Sure. That one's no crack. <laughs> I didn't watch that. Genuinely, like I started watching a bit of the Madeleine McCann one. I was like, there's no way I'm watching this. It's too depressing. Anyway, on the show today, because you guys know... Those of you who've been on my Instagram, what today's show is about, we've got a fantastic show coming up, and I'm delighted to say that it's it's just me going to deliver this show, but because you guys got involved on some of the questions on Instagram stories during the week, I've got an action-packed show for you here today. Thank you so much, genuinely, to everybody who got in touch and um, answered the question, what is it that you wanted to be when you were a kid? When you grew up, what is it that you wanted to be and what is it that you do now? So thank you so much to everybody who got in touch. And there's loads to chat on that. Um, I've got so much of here in front of me that I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I'll get through it all in this podcast. Um, and I certainly didn't manage to be able to answer everybody on Instagram. Um, and sorry if I, if I didn't get back to you. But genuinely, thank you so much. There's some great stories in there. So that's what's going to be on today's uh, episode. And we're going to talk a little bit further about... Uh, the milk cake buns and what else is there i can't really remember oh yeah i've got an eye patch on my eye as i'm recording this just so you know and a lot of you guys know why that is as well thanks to my instagram if you're not following me on instagram but you listen to the podcast follow me on instagram at hello steve on facebook it's Stephen mullen comedy and on twitter it's at hello steve tiktok it's at hello steve and if you are listening to the show, if you're a newcomer to the show, I should have said that from the top. You're very welcome. This is the Hello Steve-O podcast. And um, basically what I've done for over a year now is like had interesting conversations with interesting people. But as you can imagine, you know, like while my girlfriend is interesting, there's only so much conversation that we can do together on the podcast in the, in the course of this lockdown, especially when we have a kid as well to be juggling the situation in the home. So I do some of the episodes on my own, but this week is a special one because all the new people that came on board, you're very welcome, but loads of the, loads of the listeners got in touch on Instagram stories and answered the question about what they wanted to be when they grew up, when they were kids, you know? So that's what today's episode is going to be all about. I'm going to chat you through all the hilarious stories that came through, and um, we're going to talk about milk cake buns as well, and the sty in my eye, and the trauma of that. But anyway, that's the introduction come. You're very welcome. If you're new, please like my Facebook page. Please follow me on Instagram. If you enjoy the podcast, screenshot it. Um, give it a five-star rating on iTunes. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram stories. Tell other people about it. Let's get on board. Let's get everybody on board for the party. Here we go. Here's the show, ladies and gentlemen. Change of animals. And you are so 
Welcome back to Hello Steve-O podcast this week. Um, I'm probably, I mean, I've been releasing them all over the place at different times of the week and all that kind of thing. But I'm kind of okay with that, you know. I think I released the last one on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, who does that? Well, we do, because it's lockdown, baby, and every day is a Sunday at the moment, isn't it? So, it's good to be back with the show, and I am delighted to be bringing this episode with you, because I've had to put a lot of, not research, but I've kind of had to put a lot of production value into this one, because of the ideas that came uh, to me during the week, and then because of all the great um, messages that I got from you guys, I had to organize it and get it in together, and kind of, you know, like, like a producer does. I was actually once on a professional radio show, like it was national radio. If you're listening in the US or you're listening in the UK, um, what other? I think there's Turkey, there's Canada as well, and Australia. If you're listening in those countries, I was on the national radio once in Ireland on the Ryan Tuberty show, which is on RTE Radio 1, which is the national broadcaster in Ireland. And I went on to promote uh, my stand up comedy show. It's two years ago, a year and a half ago at this stage. But in order to get to, to have the conversation when you're, you know, I mean, the show is recorded live and you're you're chatting live. But there's at least an hour and a half of conversation that, that happens with a producer on the phone before you get to the show. And to be honest with you, it's a bit like I kind of looked at his job as a professional producer and gone, oh, that's a bit of a boring job. Maybe he wasn't a producer. Maybe he's a researcher. Maybe that's the correct term terminology I should have been using. So anyway, what happens is the researcher slash producer is on the phone to me asking me questions about the show and asking me about this and that. And he's literally in the, you can hear the in the background because he's just typing away everything I said. But I mean, I mean, it's kind of a boring job. He was like talking to me for an hour and a half and just typing. It was like, whew. And then when you go in and do the interview with Ryan Tuberty, um, he basically has all that content in front of him on a sheet of paper. And he, he looks through it all, and as he's talking to me, he's kind of referencing, he's looking through each bit of stuff that I told the producer the day before, and that's how the professionals work. So I'm kind of attempting to do that now myself today. I'm attempting to be professional, because so many of you got back to me about the what you want, telling me what you wanted to be when you grew up, that I had to get some organization down and I had to I spent an hour this morning typing up all the stuff that you said and I'm like there's a part there's a comedian part of me that's going now fuck this this isn't one I, I signed up for as a comedian there's a reason why I go on stage and fuck about and have a podcast and fuck about you know because I didn't want to be sitting down doing work work but I'm so grateful and so thankful for every one of you that did get in touch that I was like well I'll have to put in put in a shift do a bit of typing here now get my my facts and my stories in order so we're going to go through all um all that which is great crack and again thank you so much i get all sorts of stories and don't be worrying i'm like i'll use first name basis or i won't be giving away your real identities or anything like that don't be worrying ireland is such a small country that you'll have like siobhan going oh jesus did, did he tell people about that, that time that i did this thing and jesus no no, I'm not going to give anyone's identities away, but genuinely, thank you so much. And I've enjoyed chatting to you all during the week. I've I've talked to so many of you during the week um, that it was really interesting and it was kind of like doing the podcast um, over the course of the last year because, as you know, by my podcast, it's always been about just people that I found interesting, bringing them on and have a conversation with them because I believe that everybody is interesting and there's all sorts of funny stories and tragic stories that everybody has. And that's why I got 
all types of people coming onto the podcast over the first year of Hello Steve podcast. And we had all sorts of conversations with people from all walks of life. And that's why it was great. And essentially what, what has happened here this week, because you guys got in touch with all your dreams and aspirations and all that stuff, essentially all I'm doing is 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 getting to chat to really, really, really interesting people that I had no idea that I was in connection with these people. So it's been amazing for me. I had no idea that these were the people who were fans of my stand-up comedy and stuff. And they're coming from all walks of life. I'm learning about my audience, as they say in show business. So I've loved it. And who would have thought... I mean, I'm genuinely baffled by this, but who would have thought that the thing that was going to bring us all together in such a way was baking. Like, I had no idea. I just took it upon myself last week. Again, it's all on my Instagram. If you go onto my Instagram profile, in the highlights section, you will see the whole story of the milk bread buns. If you're wondering, what the fuck is he talking about? The whole story of what happened with the milk Japanese milk bread buns is there on my Instagram profile. And essentially what the, how that story of the milk bread buns came about was I... Oh, yeah, this is how it happened. This is fascinating, actually. <laughs> wow, how we've ended up here. So my brother is responsible for all this, I've just realized. My brother started a Instagram page in the last week called Quarantine Cuisine because obviously most of us around the world are in quarantine and he's a bit of a, a foodie Um now, I say foodie, like he's not a chef or anything like that. He's just like a foodie fan. You know those people. So he's one of them, and he started this Instagram page where he would kind of, people would send their cooking or baking ideas or whatever like that, and he'd post it on this page for everybody to kind of, I don't know, share recipes and all that kind of crack and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, as part of that, he decided to start baking, and he started off with a sourdough bread, which any of you who are bakers out there know a, it seems to be what all the hipsters are fucking making in the last few years. For some reason, everyone's obsessed with sourdough. It's the cool in thing for some reason in the last few years. But B, it's also very difficult to get sourdough right. Like I worked in uh, my favorite job ever. Uh, and it was, was it my last job? No, it was my last job. <laughs> my favorite job ever was working for this amazing restaurant in London called Lyle's, which is the 34th best restaurant in the world. Michelin star, but casual dining. Uh, mo- British modern cuisine but we used to do well I didn't but the uh, pastry chef used to do sourdough bread every day because you'd give bread at the beginning of lunch service and bread at the beginning of dinner service but they were months teams of, of pastry chefs and a, a consultant bakers coming in trying to get this right and you got to understand that this is a top of the notch restaurant they've got the best equipment that you can have going and still it was difficult for them so my brother is doing his sourdough and he's posting it on his quarantine cuisine Instagram page and he posts the picture that everybody does when they do a sourdough when you cut the sourdough down the middle and you take a picture of what's happening inside with the with the honeycombing of the you know it has to be full of lovely airy bubbles in there and you kind of show that to sh- you show it off but my brother's one is obviously completely dense one huge massive bubble because it hasn't risen properly and it looks like dog shit to be honest with you But he still posts it because it's like, you know, it's all about learning. And he tags a few well-known bakeries in Dublin going, any answers to this? And I tagged my chef mates, my pastry chef mates, who I used to work with in the restaurant, going, what's wrong with this? 
and Bent. That's his name. Yes, get over it. He's Danish. It's a Danish name. Bent, my friend, who used to be... He was a head chef for a while in the restaurant when I was there, but he was a pastry chef in there for a while as well. And when he left, he actually went on to work in a bakery for years after that. I tagged him in my brother's picture of the shitty sourdough bread. And he sends me a message about three emails length long going... Oh my God, mate, there's so much wrong with that. Where do I start? It's just, you know, you need to prove that you need to blah, 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 blah. And he starts giving me this rant of everything that I've done wrong as if I was the one who baked the bread and I didn't. And he starts, you know, it was kind of back to the relationship because in that restaurant, I worked front of house, but I worked in the kitchen for a while as well. And he was part of, um, he was the chef, the head chef at the time when I was working in the kitchen. And uh, it kind of went back to that relationship again where he was like giving out to me about you need to do this, you need to do that, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, whoa, 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 that's not me. That wasn't me. It's my brother. I didn't make the bread bent. And Anna as well, she's she's now the pastry chef and Lyle's just kind of given all these pointers. And I again had to go, that's not me. I didn't make the fucking bread. It's my brother. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's not me. Because I'm kind of wise enough to these kind of things that I know that sourdough was hard to do. So I'm not going to do it unless I have all the right gear. But Bent, or we call him Bento, as in Bento Box. Bento, I said to him, um, I said to him, well, I, I might try sourdough myself and because I'm that bored. And he was like, no, no, mate, you should try these instead. And he sends me this rep- recipe for Japanese milk bread buns. And he said, the reason you should make them is because they're easy to do. You can smash a lot of them out really easy. And you can... And it's like way better than the bread that you'll get in the shops. So I was like, hmm, maybe I will try these. I look at the ingredients. I look at the end product. I look at what they they look like. And I try his recipe. I think I tried his twice and it wasn't working for me. I didn't get them to rise like they should. And sorry, I got to preface all of this by saying I have literally never baked. I'm a good cook. I can cook and I do all sorts of interesting things i like making an osuboku which i'm sure i pronounced wrong again um you know i love doing uh you know i I learned like i know it sounds ridiculous but i learned how to cook meat really well in the restaurant for example and i can do big joints of lamb and stuff like I, i can really smash out some amazing fucking cooking ask the missus right i learned how to make um amazing broths from scratch and you know uh all sorts of stuff anyway you can hear given out in the background from the two-year-old who has eaten all the fucking bread who her favorite bread is daddy's bread it's amazing so anyway i um i go to make this bread the first time and the second time and it doesn't actually work but i can see there's certain elements that i'm not getting right like it hasn't risen properly or there's something in the mix at the start or i added the wrong amount of blah 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 my intuition is coming back again from the days i used to make coffee all the time or the days when i cooked sometimes i can fix stuff and not understand what it is that i actually did but i just have an intuition of how to fix something when it comes to food sometimes like my missus will fuck up a soup all the time and i know how to fix it and get the flavor balanced again or whatever so I actually find another recipe for the Japanese milk buns. And all the way that this is happening, I'm posting videos of the milk bread buns and showing the failures. Because actually the new stand-up comedy show that I'm writing for for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this summer that is not happening <laughs> is about celebrating my failures. That's what the show was about. So 
with that in mind, I was like, yeah, these buns haven't worked out, but I'm going to post it anyway. I'm going to show how I haven't got it right. And you're getting loads of messages from loads of different people going, uh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep trying here. I'm going to keep trying here. Eventually, on the fourth go, with a different recipe and working out a few little methods and kinks that were in that were there because of the nature of what my kitchen is like and what my oven is like and all these kind of elements. I'm figuring out how to make it work. Eventually, on go number four, I make these buns that honestly so proud of. Again, you can see them on the stories and loads of people then were all about it, kind of going, oh my God, those buns are amazing. And they were so fluffy and light and my daughter was delighted with them and I was delighted with them. But it was like, by the time I had got them, I got them done... I'd spent the guts of four days trying to perfect <laughs> these Japanese milk bread buns, but it was so worth it. Uh, I went and made then, uh, tried to make a pizza the next day and made shit out of that, but, you know, I think I'm going to go back to the milk buns again today and do another batch and start um, getting quick enough with them so that I can make some for friends and stuff like that. So I was delighted with it, but what it's done is, for some reason, everybody on Instagram has connected with the Japanese milk bread buns everybody's comment on it please send me the recipe i want to know how to make them all sorts of people from all walks of life give them feedback a couple of people have already started trying to make them and um one girl made them today and sent me the photo and uh you know she's not that happy with them but you know i said to her took me four goes keep going keep trying it so thank you so much to everybody who is out there trying the japanese milk bread buns and send me keep sending me your photos keep trying them Keep working away at it, and it's genuinely worth it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a few batches today and send them around to people in my area, just leave them at their door. So, you know, keeping, you know, social distancing measures and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they're just the perfect little size for, like, um, if some of them, the, the really fluffy, fluffy one that I made would not be perfect for, like, putting little burgers in. But the ones that didn't rise as well, they're still edible, but they would be perfect for burger buns, for little tiny sliders, you know? Um, but they're just gorgeous to have in the morning with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and just even... just You don't even toast them. Just put a bit, a bit of butter on it. Um, it's like a, a bready croissant, and it's it literally gets that fluffy. It's gorgeous. There's also a way to make, a, to make, make them in loaves, not just in the small buns. But um, so it's just it's genuinely been a joy and it's so simple. You don't need contrary to what my uh, to what Ben said, you don't the recipe I found, you don't need a mixer for it because I don't have I don't have one of those big fancy. um, What are they called? They're not called something mix. Anyway, you know, the big fancy mixers I'm talking about that cost about four or five hundred quid. I don't have that. and I don't even have a good oven. We've got a shitty old gas oven. So. You know, I don't have what I what I'm looking for in doing these things is looking for something that anybody can do that we can, you know, without having to have fancy equipment. You can literally make this with a bowl and a spatula and cling film. Genuinely, obviously, you you need your ingredients, but the ingredients are basic enough as well. Just some dry yeast, some flour, some butter, some milk, some sugar, some salt. That's it. It couldn't be more simple. So it's been a great week. For, for baking genuinely as you can hear it's put me in a good mood and i'm delighted to have done it and I, and um yeah please do keep sending me your photos and keep trying them and i'll keep posting them on my instagram stories and i will be working on another project for the next um for the next for the next joy of bacon or something like that people have already been 
sending me suggestions for for cronuts or for all sorts of morning buns, cardamom buns, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'll see what, what I find. I did try the, the pizza thing and I wasn't happy with how that turned out. And because I'm such so passionate about pizza, I don't think I have the oven that can take a pizza, to be honest with you. And you need the heat. You need the fucking, like those wood ovens can go up to 300, 400 degrees. You kind of need that heat to kind of give a pizza a quick blast and it comes back out again and it's done. The gas oven is just like struggling, you know. So I'm kind of basically working around anything I can do that's within 200 degrees, you know. But anyway, it's been an absolute joy and a delight. And it was with that, the Japanese milk bread buns that got us all talking, all discussing, all chatting. So I decided, because I was talking to all sorts of people who were interested in making this bread from all different walks of life, I really realized how different we all are. And I had no idea. I know there's people who, have seen, who are listening now or there's people who were chatting to me on Instagram that saw me at shows and, you know, I made them piss themselves laughing, as they say, and all that kind of stuff. But what's fascinating about, and that's why we all love comedy, is that it brings so many people together that are from completely different backgrounds. Completely. I've been talking to scientists, engineers, um, filmmakers, what else was there? Nurses, um, vets, like all sorts of stuff. Sorry, a little burp there. That's my coffee. And it's... It's been it's been so cool because it's genuinely made me go, wow, all these people are enjoying my comedy and I don't know anything about them and they're all like really different people and they're really interesting people. Um, so that's why I decided to... I was fascinated in kind of going, well, wondering what these people's lives are like, but also, is that where they wanted to be when they started out? Because I know for me... Genuinely, I never thought I was going to be a stand-up comedian. And that annoys a lot of comedians, to be honest with you. Because a lot of comedians, (laughs) you know, it's a tough old game. And a lot of comedians wanted to be comedians all their lives. And I never did. And and here I am doing it. But that's kind of the roll of the dice sometimes. And a lot of you who know me will already know that all I ever wanted to be, whether it was realistic or not, was a footballer. And I did I did okay, considering. I played at a high level in Ireland. I played in the League of Ireland and... You know, I probably got distracted by hurling a Gaelic football for a while. I played at a high level in schools at that and, you know, all these types of things. But I never really, as a kid, had looked up to a job and went, geez, I'd like to do that. I think I had the odd notion here and there about being a guard, being a, a policeman in this country. The police are called the Garda or called uh, on Gardaí Síochána. Um and we, you know, there was a friend in, in the church that we went to who was a detective. And I was like, oh, that'd be good. He used to speed us around sometimes in the old car. And that was fun. But, you know, my dad always says there's no way I would have been a guard. I don't know. I don't know. Like the school, the last school that I went to, I'm shocked at how many people went on to be uh, guards. And there's one guy who was a complete messer. And like, he used to have me piss myself laughing in the classroom. And I saw him after, since he qualified becoming a guard. And he's all serious. He's all like, well, you know, he even has a country accent, even though he's from fucking Cabra. But he's so, like, he was so serious. And I was like, what happened to fucking, what happened to, I'm not going to say his name, but. Oh, man, he used to have me piss myself laughing in school, but now he's a big serious guard. I don't know, maybe I could have done that and been still been a messer. I, I don't know. But I certainly never wanted to be a comedian. It never even crossed my mind, you know? 
when I was growing up, all I wanted to do was play for Arsenal. And I got to, as I was saying, got to certain levels. But there was no job that I looked at that I went, you know, I'd really love to do that. I ended up doing a carpentry apprenticeship because I dropped out of school. and But that was just literally to get out of going to school because I knew, unfortunately, I only had a couple of decent years in school. But the whole academic thing never really worked for me. But... It could have if I was in more in more of a like solid situation because I was in I was in too many schools I moved around too much so that's going to affect your education but you know I didn't necessarily know I never never really had a dream of going to university or I suppose I did in the back of my head I just kind of assumed that it would naturally happen for me like but it actually didn't and it turns out that doesn't naturally happen for a lot of people um, I remember thinking I'd like to be a businessman. Just because I'd see men in suits, <laughs> I, th- I could just see myself in a suit and a briefcase, and I thought that was a good idea. But nothing really stuck, and the co- the nature of my life from seventeen from of my working life was like working part time in bars, doing a carpentry apprenticeship, then going into social work. I worked with guys who were coming out of Mountjoy Prison for a couple of years, then going back to education, and somehow ending up in acting. In the meantime, before but when I was in working the social work, I had a band for a while. And then from the acting, I got picked up from the acting course. I got, I got picked up by an agent. I went on to tour in a theater company and then I started to pursue acting and then it didn't really happen for various reasons. End up working in the restaurant game and the services industry and in coffee and in, in, in chefing in restaurants. And, um, and then at that point, at 30 years of age, started doing stand up out of nowhere, really. So there's no plan to be a stand-up comedian. Do you know what I mean? There's no, like, it's so all over the place. And in a lot of ways, I'll look back at my life and then I go, I wish I had a plan. I wish I had have worked something out. But then, from chatting to you guys because of the bread, I start, I put this question out and I was like, well, these are really interesting people from all different walks of life who are so different, but actually in some ways, maybe we all have a little bit more in common than, than I'd ever think. So I put the question out on Instagram stories. What did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? And what do you do now? And thank you so much. I'm going to do my best to get through these. I genuinely don't know. We we'll probably won't have the time to get through them all, but we'll see how this goes, and I'll see if I can keep it going on into the, into another episode, possibly. But one of the uh, all sorts of um, interesting people that came in here, and the first one uh, was like you, like there's funny responses here. There's there's um, really emotional responses. There's like people who wanted to be something and never did it but then there's people who wanted to be something went and did loads of other things then came back and did it and there's people who knew what they wanted to be and then they did go on and do it so there's all sorts of people here but Kira was one person who got in touch here so thanks so much for your message Kira um, and she was genuinely um, grey crack Kira actually asked me for the recipe loads of people have been asking me for the recipe for the milk buns and if you want the recipe send me a message on Instagram I'll send you the recipe but Kira was like Really wanted to make the milk buns. I'm going to make these milk buns. I'm going to make these milk buns. And she ended up making an apple tart. (laughs) Which, I have to say, I posted it on Instagram. The apple tart looked absolutely amazing. And maybe Kira will send me on the recipe for the apple tart. And maybe we can all be making apple tart for next week. Because it's kind of a bit nippy. It's kind of nice weather for an apple tart, to be honest with you. But Kira has a fascinating story. She was grey crack with her apple tart. 
And Kira, when she was 10, uh, her cousin Lorraine, who was also 10 at the time, passed away from cancer. And here's what she said to me. She said, from that time, I said I wanted to cure cancer. I didn't get the points in the Leaving Cert, but went back as a mature student after I had worked a load of different jobs and had lived in Australia. I am a medical scientist now in St. James's. So now she works in the cancer field, which is absolutely amazing. And funnily enough, well, not funnily enough, but because of the situation that the whole world is in now, she's kind of moved from working in the cancer field and she's spending her time testing COVID-19 because of obviously the situation that we're going through. But what a fascinating and heartwarming story that at that young of an age, at 10 years of age, what a tragedy to, to, to go through to lose your cousin um, at that age. And um, that's really, really, really sad to, to, uh, to lose a, a young person so, like, so well before their time. But that genuinely, to me, was um, I was blown away by and inspired by something like that happening, inspiring somebody's life so far into the later years. So, like... That's how something like that can, re- an incident like that can really form you. And that's maybe where some of us find out where we want to go in life, where we find our, the, the, the route that we want to take in life. It's, it's because something has happened or because, you know, um, an incident has happened. You might have lost a loved one or you might have had a, a near scare with your own life or, I don't know, some huge, and it would be called in the movies an inciting incident, Um. But for something to, like that to happen so young, it's amazing. But it wasn't as if she just strolled in. This is what I find inspirational about Kira, and what um, is really cool about her. And I take inspiration from that because um, I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder that I, oh, I probably should have finished school. I probably should have done this. I probably should have gone done that. But it's not as if her story was like simple that she went and she finished school and she became a med. You know, she went to um, college and and. Uh, just became a doctor no because she didn't get the points for the leaving sir as she said so then she went back as a mature student and that shows big balls i'm i'm just assuming you don't have balls kira but you know i don't you know you can't assume these days you know but um uh it showed guts to be honest yeah and she says she talked about we were chatting for a bit about this and she said that she um she learned great work ethic because of going back as a, as a mature student, she said she was working in three jobs when she was studying in Kevin Street, and she finally qualified in 2007. She worked in a super value in Tala, which, I mean, nowhere in Tala is going to be easy to work in, is it, Kira? I'm joking, Tala. Fucking calm down. Well, there's only a bit of crack, California. So she qualified in 2007, working three jobs, one in a super value, one in City West Hotel, and one in Coco's nightclub every evening and at the weekend, which, to be fair, was that work here yet? Are we just partying? You know what I mean? She said she worked in Tala uh, Hospital Lab every summer while all the other kids were going off to the US on their J-1 visas. And now that she has a nephew and a sister that are working in Eddie Rockets so that they're putting themselves through school and it's going to stand to them in their adult life. And th- I think that's so true. I mean, you do in life have to... I think we all have this dream that... that I don't know, is it because we're in Western society that because we watch movies and TV and all that kind of stuff that we kind of assume that people are going to have it easy in life, that that 
that the, the the natural route in life is that you go to primary school, you go to secondary school, then you go to university, you get a degree, you get a job, that we kind of assume that that's all going to be easy. And But it, the truth is, that the reality is that it's not. And Kira's kind of shown it here by having to work three jobs. If, you, if you're going to go back to college as a, as a mature student, you're inevitably going to have to pay for that for yourself because your parents aren't going to put you through. And that's not to say that even when you were younger that your parents could afford to put you through college and stuff like that. It's not like the same as in the US. In the US, they have to pay extraordinary amounts of fees. So the fees aren't as bad in in Ireland. Education is quite cheap. It's supposed to be free, but it's quite cheap. But what Kira is, is really showing here is that, you know, it wasn't bloody well easy. And you do get a work ethic. Three jobs, working three jobs and putting yourself through college to try and be a doctor or a, or a medical scientist is unbelievable. And I, we were chatting about it because I felt like a bloody bitter old man because when I worked in, in restaurants, I was taken aback and coffee shops by the laziness of some of the young people. They're unbelievable. The young people today, and I'm talking the, the millennials, basically. Apparently, I'm still, as Des said on his podcast the other day, I'm just about in the millennial generation. But, um, you know, the work ethic of some of these people is, look, <laughs> make you sick. But I, as that's what I was saying to her as well, because I started out in building sites. Maybe that's my work ethic and attitude was different from the start because it was all about not wanting to be seen standing around doing nothing on a building site because people would just fucking abuse you if you were being lazy, you know. But um, that's an amazing story to go through because I'm sure, like, you obviously don't become a medical scientist overnight. That takes years and years and years of of study. And working three jobs, there must have been plenty of nights where you're just going, fuck this, I'm, you know, I'm giving up. I could, I could do something much easier, maybe make decent money doing something else. But because something happened at 10 years of age, that drives you through to kind of go out and uh, get that qualification done no matter what. So, well done to Kira. Fascinating chatting to you. Thank you for the apple tart. Um Please do send us on the apple tart recipe, Kira. And she also, with the whole sty in my eye situation, which was really bad because she's a doctor, she said she will send me a scalpel in the post. <laughs> which, in the end, to be honest, I didn't need. It just fucking burst today. It was rank looking, just the amount of fucking white goo that came out of my eye. Anyway, sorry about that, listeners. You're probably all going, ugh. Sorry to the new listeners that are coming and going, what is going on? This is absolutely disgusting. Why is he talking about goo coming out of his eye? And why are the listeners now being portrayed as like Dublin Southsiders, you know? God, it's an annoying accent. Oh my God, you absolute scum. Anyway, the next person that sent me a lovely message was um, was Ken, Kenneth sent me a brilliant... He when, when Kenneth was a kid, he wanted to be a car salesman, but specifically... This is like I don't even know if this car sales this type of car say car salesman even exists in Ireland. Ken wanted to be a car, car salesman for Ferraris. And as a kid, this is no no lie, he made a name badge that said, "My name is Ken, I sell Ferraris." <laughs> he said he was absolutely obsessed. And now he works with disabled people. So we, Kenneth and I had a good chat, or Ken and I, I don't know if you, um, sorry, I don't know if it's Ken or Kenneth, but Ken um, and I had a good old chat because uh, obviously when you're a kid and you want to sell cars, that's kind of like, 
obviously as a kid you kind of find some kind of fun in that or maybe it was just the obsession with ferrari cars that you just wanted to be around the cars all the time but i i asked him does he think that you know it he'd be happier if he was actually selling ferraris or doing what he does now and he said it was amazing that the what the work that he does now um helping disabled people what it does for the soul and how much that has changed him and i thought that was really really cool um and that he's definitely happier doing what he's doing now than if he was selling uh, Ferraris. But he also talked about how, you know, I was complimenting him on the work that he was doing, and he said, yeah, well, it's a job that most people don't want to do, and no one likes to go to work and get beaten up every day, but it is a very uh, valuable job. And that's true. I have um, a few friends uh, or colleagues who uh, work in that field with disabled people and sometimes unfortunately it's kind of the nature of the work that you know you're helping people with very basic stuff that's going on in, in their lives like it could be down to helping them with um w- with feeding with basic feeding or basic toilet issues um you know all that kind of stuff but be- but there's also the um there is also the thing that you you, you know you can end up getting unfortunately because the things are getting on you can end up getting attacked quite a bit here and there if if, um uh, for example some people with severe down syndrome could get very physical or have a bad temper or you know and they can get physical with you because they they don't know how to express the emotion correctly or they don't know how to control themselves sometimes and um i had that experience with an ex uh, girlfriend of mine who had an older brother so this is we're talking now 15 years ago uh, 16 years ago actually and um, she had an older brother who was severely had severe Down syndrome. Um, he couldn't couldn't verbalize, could not talk, and it was was kind of uh, quite aggressive, and had to like wear um, uh, like strappings on the arms so that his arms would be kept straight in case he would pick his ears too much and stuff like that. Now, but that was the that was the negative side because he was an amazing amazing guy. He was such a loving guy. He was very funny very cheeky like i remember a few times of like you know i'd be over in their house and my girlfriend and her mom would say oh we're gonna pop out to the shops for a minute Are you guys okay here and be like yeah yeah cool i'll be sitting there watching tv and he's like pretending that he's not even paying attention to you and then all of a sudden he'll stand up in the middle of watching tv sneak off when i don't notice and you'll hear the biggest bang ever and he's gone into the kitchen and filled pots with water and thrown them all over the place and he's just pissing himself laughing because uh, he knows that like you know, he's he's only acted up and done that because he knows the girls have gone, you know. So, um, but he was the strongest person I'd ever... Like, he was probably three quarters of my height. But if he gave me a hug, I'd come in and I'd go, hey, how are you? He'd hug me, but then wrap his legs around me and pull me to the ground and I wouldn't be able to get him off me and he'd be pissing himself laughing. He was so strong. So strong. But you'd be like carers had to be careful as well like sometimes he doesn't know what he's doing and he might swing a, swing an arm and hit you in the face and, and hurt you or like as Kenneth was saying you might get kind of beaten up a little bit there was a, a friend of mine down in Cork recently was saying she got knocked unconscious and it was a complete accident it was just somebody one of her clients had just kind of hit out and knocked her out and you know doesn't you know she had a massive bruise I saw the massive bruise on her head but it was just oh, that was kind of all in a day's work kind of thing you know and it's just you kind of get on with it um so I can't speak highly enough of of um of the work that you do Ken and uh, he said it's uh, he was saying thanks for the compliments and it's nice to feel valued and it is interesting the way that the world is at the moment how how um the jobs that we probably 
haven't valued enough in the world are now being valued down to the bin man, down to the... And I hate saying down to the bin man even as if that's that's a job that is beneath other things because it shouldn't be. We should all be equal and we should all be respecting each other in an equal way like that. But the people who work in centre, the people who are collecting the bins or um, the people who are delivering stuff, you know, they are now the most valuable roles in society right now because of the 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 pandemic pandemic and ken was saying yeah it is a little bit of a shame that it's taken a pandemic for people to realize this but i'm sure we are going to come out the other side a lot more grateful for the roles that these people do and um you know ken didn't become end up becoming a ferrari salesman as he wanted to be when he was a kid but man is he doing something um really amazing so thanks for uh, for getting in touch ken and um yeah all the best to you in your work and i hope that you're getting plenty of support and plenty of feeling valued um in the work that you're doing now because i'm sure you're because just because the whole world has gone into pandemic does not mean that you got to stop doing your work you still got to go to work you still got to look after those people so i wish you all the best in your work and keep doing what you're doing we also got great uh, a great story from michelle michelle is a gas woman altogether but listen to this this is brilliant Michelle said, I am adopted. When I was little, I was convinced I came from royalty. I used to visit our local castle and daydream about the days I'd be back in my rightful home before returning to my poor parents to remind them that they better make the most of their time with me because it'll be short-lived. Today, I do not live in a castle and I do not possess a crown, but I'll never give up hope. (laughs) What a brilliant story from Michelle. Um... To even to like, because I was even asking her, I was like, wow, did you know? So, obviously, as a kid, you knew that you were adopted all along, you know? And because I, I, you know, I would, you guys know, I have a, a two year old daughter, and it's funny how, you know, my thing with my daughter has always been that she has to know that she's secure, you know, that she has to know that, you know, mommy and daddy will be there for her no matter what, that we've got her back. And it's funny the little things that can move, if you move certain structures in a child's life or you take certain things away from them, how they can become super insecure. Or they can become super, you know, um, you know, fearful or they'll get scared if mommy's going to the shops or whatever like that, you know. So I've often wondered in a situation where somebody is adopted, you know, how do you create that secure environment? And, and Michelle here is obviously, obviously through, and through chatting with her uh, on Instagram, uh, she was chatting about like how she was delighted. Um, she knew, she always knew she was adopted, and that was fine. And that shows, um, for me, that shows amazing parenting from the from the adoptive parents that uh, the adoptive parents that she she knew that she was special and she knew that she was loved all the time. But she also knew that she was adopted, that she came from somewhere else. But that fed into her being able to have a dream, which is brilliant. <laughs> She said she even had a little English accent. Can you imagine? Can you imagine her walking around? Which is funny that it's an English accent that you'd have to have to be royalty, you know. So she, you know, she walking around the castle. Like I don't know where Michelle is. You could be. She could be in Kerry or something. But <laughs> walking around, going, "Mummy and Daddy, you know that you're lucky to have me." Um, so that is brilliant. That when you were grow, grew up, you wanted to be a queen. That's. I mean. A lot of little girls do. I, cer- I certainly know my girl wants to be a princess anyway, and. Uh, that's pretty amazing. And she did say, because we did chat about the adoptive stuff, because my own mother was was adopted. And it's a really, that's a really negative um, experience and a negative, um, not just the experience, but it has a negative connotation in my mother's head because she never, she, 
she only told us when we were quite old, um, but she also only found out herself when she was adopted, that she only found out herself that she was adopted when she was an adult and in not a very nice way. And um, even now we don't know exactly uh, the real story of where my um, my mother comes from, but that's always been a, a, bit, a kind of a negative element in in my mother's life and it's always something that me as like i would kind of like to know where i came from kind of a thing i'd like to find out but my mother has always steered well clear of that conversation wanting to have little or nothing to do uh, with it but michelle here has had a really positive experience because she did say that she did go to meet her birth mother which is amazing and her birth mother and her adoptive parents met too and it was all good you know it was cool so that is a, an amazing story of how something which um, for some people can be tragic or something that maybe was difficult um, a long, long time ago has been turned into an, a, bril- a brilliant dream and imagination for a little girl and that um, she kind of has three parents, I suppose, in some way now, which is kind of cool. So thanks so much for getting in touch uh, about that, Michelle. It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant story. And um, I think Michelle might be trying the milk, uh, the Japanese milk bread buns as well. Susie got in touch. Susie... Um, was uh, th- this was common on a couple of fronts, but Susie wanted to be a vet. Susie wanted to be a vet, and now she's a telecoms engineer with a teaching degree. And <laughs> this, this tra- here's the tragic, uh, the tragedy of why Susie's <laughs> Susie's dream didn't work out because she did want to be a vet, but she went to do work experience in the local vets when she was growing up and discovered that <laughs> she discovered that she had a cat allerg- allergy. <laughs> So she said she went in to do the work experience and from day one she was like Elephant Man because she just swole up because she couldn't be around cats, which is a bit tragic to be honest. She wanted to be a vet and not being able to work with them, um, not being able to work with uh, with with animals because of that. So, um, but hey, what are you going to do, uh, Susie? Uh, and how did she, so she ended up then going back to study teaching at 27, she said. And then when she graduated, they cut all the teaching jobs and her sister needed some help in uh, in her job. And so now she's ended up being a telecoms engineer. So that's kind of the same, a little bit the same as me. You don't know what you're going to end up doing, really. Um, but the dream was cut short there for sure because you're allergic to cats. Um, a good friend of mine, Keith Coleman, actually... Uh, got in touch uh keith is an amazing uh, chef but he was saying to me that all he wanted to do when he was growing up was to be a truck driver now <laughs> it's funny because my dad says the same thing that if everything else didn't work out for him in my dad's work he would just love to be a truck driver i think there's this romantic notion of just driving across um massive open spaces like my dad would love to be a truck driver in the states because he could just do the open road for for days or weeks or whatever, you know? Uh, so Keith said he wanted to be a truck driver as well, but now he's ended up being a chef. And Keith and I had an interesting conversation about working on the sites because Keith's dad was a carpenter. And so there was a little bit of him kind of, well, his dad wanted him to be a carpenter like him. No, sorry. Keith kind of wanted to be a carpenter like his dad, but his dad was like, nah, don't. It's 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 too, it's rough work. And... um but he said when he was growing up, he used to do the work on the building sites and he's never got, as a laborer, and he's never got paid as much in any job since then because he was on 18 euro an hour. And I know there's teachers out there going to be listening going, what? There's going to be all sorts of, you know, even guards, even policemen will be going, how much? 
I genuinely, when my girlfriend was pregnant, I genuinely considered going back to the building sites because I think even as a banksman, a banksman is the guy who directs um, who directs those big cranes, you know, direct on, on the radio and tells them to go left or right or blah, 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 blah. That was like, I think in London, I was in London at the time, it was £20 an hour to work at that. You know, like, why wouldn't you? £20 an hour is 20 multiplied by, if you're doing an eight-hour day, is like 160 a day. That ain't bad, is it? And I think there were nine-hour days, so, you know, whatever, 180 a day, whatever, like, whatever. I know that wasn't right, Matt. Shut up. Shut up. But... Keith is an amazing chef now. I don't know what Keith is working on at the moment because he he was the head chef of a cafe slash restaurant called Fia. But um, I hope you're keeping good, man. Keith came over to do some work experience with us in Lyles when we were over in Lyles as well. Um, But uh, yeah, so that was cool. Um, Nicola says that she wanted to be a trapeze artist and now she's a school teacher, which is not too dissimilar. I don't um, envy the... um, I don't envy being a teacher at all. I had notions uh, recently enough of kind of going, I could be an SNL or is it? SNA, sorry. <laughs> SNL is Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I could be an SNA, you know, a social needs, uh, so what? A special needs assistant. But my girlfriend was going, yeah, you know, you know, in order to work with kids, you have to like kids other than your own. And I was like, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe I couldn't do that. But uh, yeah, Nicola's a primary school teacher, which is, um, you know, I can imagine. I know what I was like jumping around a bloody classroom. I, I'm sure it is like being a trapeze artist, Nicola, but fair bloody play to you. And then we had some interesting ones. Like Nomi said that she wanted to be a newsreader on 6-1 News or replace Gay Byrne, but now she's a, wit- a midwife. So there you go. I mean, like any any kind of um, any kind of these things uh, c- can come up for you. And there was a couple of people who said they wanted to be newsreaders, which I suppose I never even thought about that. Yeah, Emer also said that she works. Uh, she wanted to be a newsreader, but now she works in software. So there you go. That's a good point about the newsreader thing. I wouldn't even know. Where do you start to become out a newsreader? Like, who becomes a newsreader? I don't know how that works. But um, do you just start reading the news on a, like, get a part-time job on a radio station and say that you want to read the news? I don't know. I don't even know how you become a presenter. I've, like, I have no idea. But maybe I should work that out so I could do a bit more of that. So I can start my own cookery show, Instagram instagram baking show or something like that anyway we've only got oh i'm definitely not going to get through them all there's no way i'm just going to do one more um and i'll maybe carry some on into the into the rest of the into another podcast possibly uh, connor wanted to be uh, to work in shout out to connor who like comes to see me quite a lot he saw me in the international loads of times but he said he wanted to be in criminal psychology because um he watched a lot of criminal minds and now he works in the aa now I don't know if that's the 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 road company or the if he works for Alcoholics Anonymous, but anyway, best. Of l- <laughs> so there's loads of people that beca- uh, wanted to do stuff because of characters that they saw on TV. Zoe wanted to be a paleontologist, and she's. I think there was two or three people that said they wanted to be paleontologist. Why? Because of Ross in Friends. Like <laughs> that is mental. To me, that is because I thought Ross was always the geeky one who everybody was fed up of listening about his stupid about his stupid paleontologist job. But here we go, are a generation of people who've contacted me, kind of going, "Yeah, because of Ross and friends, I wanted to be a paleontologist." So he said that part of her why she wanted to be a paleontologist was she would love to be out digging the dirt all day finding dinosaur bones. But it's more something I appreciate now, and she ended up in logistics. 
Now, I hadn't a clue what she was talking about about um, when she said I work in logistics. But she said uh, she ended up in logistics and that she likes logist- working in logistics because it exercises the puzzle-solving side of her brain and that she enjoys that, which I find fascinating. I found that by doing the baking that that was... Um, uh, how would you say, it was exercising a certain part of my brain that really likes to focus on one thing. And probably it is, maybe it goes back to the carpentry. I do like to use my hands. So I like to be, like when I was making coffee, I loved making the coffee. I didn't like talking to people or talking to customers. I kind of just wanted to work away at the thing and concentrate on what it was that I was doing and getting the, you know, keeping the machine clean or getting the latte art right or getting the extractions right and all that kind of stuff. And there was something job satisfaction-wise that my mind really likes to dig in and to kind of really focus on these tiny, minute things. Um, but then having to talk to people at the same time, it just didn't work. But Zoe said that... That there's a part of her brain that loves solving puzzles, which is kind of cool. It's, I suppose, I don't know if there's something that my brain works like that as well, or maybe I could learn to like that. I don't know. My brain tends to be like ideas, 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 and then, you know, it becomes a pain in the ass to try and organize those ideas into some kind of a, into some kind of a organized way of thinking or putting a show together, for example. Um. So she explained what logistics management was to me as well because I had no clue. But she said logistics management, logistics management is organizing how things get from A to B. Normally, it's quite complex, like because the hand sanitizer does get from the factory floor to the supermarket by truck alone. Um, but that's only one part of logistics management. Another will be getting all the ingredients needed to make the product in the first place. Then besides the actual movement of goods, there's also the timing of it all. So it, um, she says, I find it really fascinating, but most people I talk to find it quite boring. I suppose it's not something that you're going to talk about on a Tinder date, Zoe. You, know? like you could see people. I can see how you'd be fascinated by it. Uh, if you're in and you're doing it, but it's not something to talk about, I suppose. That's particularly interesting. But... You're right. If you think about the way that it goes back into what I was saying about us appreciating all the the jobs that people are doing in the world at the moment. Like if you think about like my local Centra, how does everything get made and organized and get over to Centra and, you know, and all that stuff. There was uh, there's Ramesh Ranganathan actually used to work in logistics management. Um, he's a stand-up comedian from the UK and he used to do it for airline companies. So he no, it wasn't logistics. It was like it was, he was costing it was like costing logistics or something like that, where he had to work out how much it would cost to make each air um, airline's meal. So your in-flight meal, he had to figure out how much it costs for each little ingredient to make all the products, and then you know do the logistics of all of that and organize it for all to be for it all to be done and the right amount of food to be on the right flight and blah blah, blah and all that kind of stuff and. I suppose at the end of the day, it's a load of paperwork and it's a load of Excel spreadsheets and I, I'm I'm assuming. But um, but it uh, it can be fascinating because you're just basically trying to figure out a puzzle. Sorry, is that shouting going on downstairs? I don't know. My daughter's going mad down there. But anyway, Zoe said that she I I, I kind of assumed I said, like, that you must be great at organizing a holiday, organizing a party. And she says, no, not at all. I I like throwing caution to the wind with holidays. A holiday without a schedule, she likes to do, leads to some of the best adventures. I was asking her, like, because she wanted to be a paleontologist, actually, I said, was she mad obsessed with Indiana Jones and all that? And she said, no, Dr. Alan Grant was my hero from Jurassic Park. 
um, and she was much more uh, dinosaur focused than what she wanted to be um, as a paleontologist. Um, so there you go. I think Meg Meg was also obsessed with friends and um, and she wanted to be a paleontologist and ended up in nursing. And uh, here's, I'm going to finish up on Meg here because she said she loved nursing but said, ask me in six months, I'll probably have another answer. She's a theatre nur- nurse at the moment, but she will be redeployed to ICU when they start getting um, admissions of COVID-19 patients. Um, so she says there's an overall feeling of dread at the moment, but we have a good team here and we will get through it. Um, and you will, absolutely. And Meg... And all the people working in the services industry and the services that the country need, we are all absolutely behind you. And um, we are thankful for the work that you do. And um, and just keep going. And and and, uh, and well done on the positive attitude. Um, yeah, we're genuinely grateful for you all. I'm grateful for you all. I had to go up to the pharmacy to get today to, to gay. <laughs> I had to go to the pharmacy to get to, to stop it. I had to go to the pharmacy today to get drops for this bloody infected eye. So, um, you know, it's how thanks to it's people like Zoe and logistics who made sure that the drops got to the pharmacy and people like. I don't know what else is here working as people like, I don't know, maybe it was Meg or maybe other people who are out there who work in pharmacies and make sure that I can get attended to because of my stupid sty in my eye situation and i am genuinely grateful for you i haven't got through half of the um the stories the brilliant stories that you guys told me here there's more to come from uh from mary from nicola from from jane from all sorts of people who i haven't managed to get uh, through to today so i'm sorry about that but genuinely thank you so much to everybody for all your brilliant uh, messages and all your brilliant stories. And I hope that you all got a little something from it, from hearing other people's stories and that you enjoyed it. Um, it was really good fun. And for me, it just showed how interesting you guys listening all are. And I'm delighted that um, that we can all have like a connection through baking or through what it is that we wanted to be when we grew up. And it kind of shows you that life isn't that, you know, it's not exactly, It's we all know this, but... It really illustrates how complex and how complicated and how um, life is mad and crazy. And we're in the middle of a crazy period now. But who knows what comes out of this? Maybe we all end up start starting opening up bakeries or something like that. I don't know. But look at that. We've had this amazing podcast with these amazing stories from all you amazing people out there. All because my brother fucked up his sourdough bread. So there you go. Life is magical no matter what. Look after yourselves and each other. And I'll see you guys. I'll chat to you guys next week. Take care. So, yeah. Hello, Steve on Instagram. At Hello, Steve. Share with all your buddies. Take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 